Ken Gooch Van Druden here. Um, I have a very good friend of mine, Chris Raybold, uh, with me. What's up, guys? Hey. Um, awesome, awesome engineer, front of house engineer. Uh, he mixes bands like Bruno Mars and Alicia Keys and uh, Kenny Chesney. Those are the ones recently, but um, just a long list of credits. Um, he's a good friend of mine, and we often um, chat and just talk on the phone a lot about audio um, because we love audio and we love talking about it. And so I thought that maybe we could do this kind of as a, a, a webinar kind of a thing or just a chat between him and I uh, that you guys could be a part of um, kind of being a fly on the wall as us discussing about things. Um, so anyway, welcome, Chris. How are you? Good, man. Thanks cool. for having me. I'm pumped about this. All right. We talked about this. Yeah. Glad we, we have a, a time to do it. It's pretty, uh, well, yeah. How are you doing <laughs> in that, by the way? This is a weird I'm time. I'm hanging in there. I know. Yeah, yeah. Me too. I'm like everybody, you know, just trying to take it day by day and filter what information comes in and out and know that ultimately, you know, we're going to be okay. But it is cool. It is, there is a silver line to it that you can see a lot of people out there staying busy by doing stuff like this, you know? Yeah, for sure. Um, so what I thought we could discuss is, you know, I mean, sometimes we just go off on like tangents. So I don't really care if it yeah, goes, goes that way, whatever. Um, but I was thinking, you know, a lot of times we talk about drum sounds. And the other day I posted a video uh, about uh, drum, parallel drum bus stuff. Mm -hmm. um, and... Like, so maybe you can share with the other people, like, how do you kind of, I don't know, talk us through your drums. First off, first question, what's, what has been over all your years of experience, what has been your favorite acoustic sounding drum kit? Like who had it? Ooh, ooh, wow. I'm a sucker for fatter snare drums. Cool. And so, and... A, I love that sound. That sound reminds me of samples from the, you know, the classic drum machines from the 80s a lot of times, you know, where they were doing that big fat pith sound. And growing up as a kid, for me, I kind of got screwed because I thought that like Prince and Mutt Lang, Def Leppard, I thought those were, that's how drums sounded. You know what I mean? Like, I, cause I didn't play as right. a kid. Right. I, I hadn't been sitting in a rehearsal room. I thought drums naturally went, <laughs> and you know bloom, 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 bloom. so it really shaped me being a kid of the 80s shaped a lot of the way that i mix now so to answer your question for some reason actually i just thought i love with bruno i love eric hernandez i love the tuning they get with the toms and i do love that um we kind of go around the bend and back with snare sounds but i'm thinking about there was a guy um been with the fray i only mixed the fray for a little while but he had really class i don't even know what they were like they might have been like black beauty replicas or some something you know six and a half inch fat snares and those two to me are so easy to mix right um so anyway i'm gonna go there i'm gonna no. say he had he had a sound that immediately every day i was like thank you you know 
That's so cool. And that is, that's the truth, right? Like when we run into yeah. drum kits where the drum kit itself sounds amazing, um, then it makes our job like so much easier, you know? Um, Absolutely. You know, uh, two comments about what you were saying, uh, that sound is so that mm -hmm. PCM 70 gated reverb, yeah. dude. That's Absolutely. it. That's the sound, right? Um, it does it. Yeah. Um, it, it's it, funny it, because I look for that, that PCM 70 gated reverb sound mm -hmm. out of plugins. Like I'll go look to see if they have some sort of version mm -hmm. of that. Cause it is still like one of my favorite kind of snary reverb tones. Mm -hmm. Um, I made a, uh, I made a preset on H verb one time just called piff. And that was all <laughs> it was made to do was to take snare drums that don't naturally have that to it and just kind of fake. I mean, a lot of people do that. So I'm short kind of what is that exciting yeah, right, about? Right, 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 right. So, I mean, yeah. you know, we'll maybe we'll get into that a little bit more because I know that you do things kind of similar to me sometimes where I, I create, it's not just one reverb on drums, it's a couple of them. Mm -hmm. um, oh, yeah. You know, that kind of tone of kick and snare, having that, and then an overall mm -hmm. bigger tone, you know, whatever. We'll come back to that. But, um, mm -hmm. And then the other thing that I thought is hilarious is you mentioned, Eric, you know, uh, you know, my wife, she's a huge Bruno Mars fan. Right. Um, and she all the time, uh, you know, she follows Eric, I guess on social media. So all the yeah. time she, you know, sends me stuff where she's like, see, he's talking about Chris again. You know? uh. <laughs> <laughs> so it's awesome. It's awesome that yeah, Eric, dig Eric Diggsy, man, that's, that's yeah. cool. It's always the best uh, when you work likewise. with somebody, you work with somebody that's so killer, right. You know, um, and it usually is the drummers that we end up working the closest with too, because that's the one area that requires the most creation and the most comp to me, the most conversation, you know, maybe that like guitar players or something, you know, at least totally. I found. So no, totally, man. I mean, you know, yeah. yeah. Guitar players too. You always are having that kind of weird conversation about, Hey, I don't really like that pedal or I don't like this tone or whatever, but it's the same thing with drummers, right? You're like, Hey man, Tom three, can you like, you know, you know, and oftentimes yeah. it's not with the drummer themselves. Like you and I are talking to some drum tech to try to fix it, but eventually we might be having yeah. a, a, a conversation with the drummer himself. But, um, yeah. uh, for me, uh, the best, absolutely best sounding kit that I've ever heard acoustically, uh, was Abe Laboreal Jr. Um, a little, small, little drum company called GMS. Uh, and he had, he had that kit, um, you know, way back in the nineties, um and dude i was doing i did this record uh with him and michael landau um called raging honkies and he had that kit and we used it as a recording kit and it was just like that it's one of those things where you like walk up to the drummer and you go that is what that that's what drums yeah. are supposed to sound yeah. like you know yeah like acoustically yep. you know all i had to do was like literally i probably could have put up like two microphones in front of it and been like that's it you know mm -hmm. what i mean that's like the drum right um, so anyway, all you drummers out there, if you're a drummer and not an engineer, if you're checking it out, that's what we're looking for as engineers, Please, is, God. you know, <laughs> get, yeah. to, get your, uh, get yourself together and, and, uh, you know, have a, have a great sounding kit, you know, um, there's lots of great kits out there and we've both worked with great artists and, and guys that have great sounding stuff. Um, but, um, you know, we've also been, I'm sure, in situations with guys, guys, kits where you're doing a lot more EQ than you have to, you know. I'll do so much when I have to and drive myself insane and then have to come to the 
intellectual realization that like, Chris, you're not what you want to have happen here is not going to happen. You know right. what I mean? Um, along, in, along in that vein, let's talk a little mm -hmm. bit about um, like mic choices and mic placement, right? Mm -hmm. Because those are super important. Um, mm -hmm. and, and people always ask me like, what makes you choose certain microphones for certain things? And for me, it, it's all about experimentation. Like I spent years putting different Same. microphones on front of things, you know, and being Same. like, okay, do that. But a lot of it too is talking to my peers. Like, you know, I've had actually you say to me a couple times in conversations, like, Hey, have you tried you know, such and such a microphone on whatever. And I'm like, no, I haven't tried that. And then I'll go check it out and be like, you know what? He's totally right. Um, mm -hmm. So um, I guess my point is as far as choosing microphones, you know, all you guys out there, you know, uh, talk to your peers and talk to, talk to your things. You know, for me, microphone choice is like one of the most important things because it's really the first place that you do EQ. Um, like, you know, the choices that I make to put in front of a drum kit, I make them so that I don't have to do EQ, if that makes sense. Correct. Um, so, um, I don't know, tell us some microphone choices that you typically use on, I got you, you know? Yeah, I do. I have a pretty nowadays and I've done the same thing. I've tried every last single microphone under the sun that is common in live sound. Like I haven't taken out uh, a whole bunch of U87s and, you know, right. put them on the toms or, I mean, I haven't gone crazy in that route. I can tell you where I've landed now for the sake of not going on forever. Um, as much as I want to get away from a 91 in a kick drum, and I just have this thing where I want to, because I, I know it right before we jumped on here, I pulled up the session real quick and I looked at it and I said, what did I use primarily on the kick drum? And I use only the 91, you know, it's super effective for live sound because it's so incredibly fast. And for whatever reason, it, it just sticks out like nothing else. That being said, it, I don't know that that necessarily is what a kick drum <laughs> sounds like nor is that my favorite kick drum sound but it works great for live sound okay so and i like to think of my input list where there's always there's someone on the other end of the snake you know and pretty much everybody and as we know our monitor brethren are not always looking for all the frou-frou often uh, options that we are a lot of times they're looking for more what do we have 57 on the guitar cool 91 Perfect. on the kick cool. you know yeah totally so anyway Typically, there's a 91. I like, and this is Driven Tech's uh, stage guys crazy. I still like the SM91, but it, it tonally, it's not that much different from the Beta 91A. Right. It was to me strikingly different from the Beta 98. Um, but the little cable on the SM, that's a pain in the ass. So I'll finally give in and put in a Beta 91A. The Kick 2, which for some people is out, for me is typically now it's. If the 91's here in the middle of the drum, I used to try to keep the second one here in line, you know, phase-wise. Not that we can't manipulate that digitally. Here lately, I've gone with this second one. It's in, and it's just off. It's a few inches back, and it's just it's off of the center of the drum. That second mic has gone. I've used everything, and I can't. I just have trouble settling on something. I can tell you as of late. It has been, while an RE20 has piqued my curiosity for that kind of disco thump, 
on some of the stuff that I like, wanting to go old school. This and it's not an expensive mic. This SE, um, as why do I get confused all the time? And I use all their mics. It's an SE Electronics, yeah. the, uh, the V Kick. I don't know. Have you used that? I haven't, but I, you know. I had a little bit of a hand in some of the SE other drum mics, but that particular microphone, I haven't heard. Okay. We well, you know how a lot of times with the new kick mic, it's so scooped and it's so clicky and it's so subby that it's almost like walking into Walmart and looking at a wall of TVs or something. You're just like, whoa, they're all so bright. That's amazing. <laughs> and then you look at them and you're like, that's horrible. Uh, Nothing not really looks sure. like that. Yeah. It's the same it's the same thing with kick drum mics. Sometimes they're just too hyped. And after you live with it for a while, you're like, this doesn't even sound like music. That, that mic, the V kick to me has won two different shootouts with a drummer that I've worked with blind shootouts as of late wow. where it wasn't, we just found the application specific knowing the density of the mix that it was going to work. So anyway, so here lately, that's what I've been doing for my one and two. I've played some with like sub kicks and this and that, and I've never found one live that really works well for me, but I've tried, I've tried a number of them. So that's typically what's on the kick. Um, uh, on the snare, there's always, if I can get away with it, if it's a big enough tool, we have enough in inputs, there's a 57 and there's something taped to it. That's something for me for going on four or five years has been a Mojave 101 FET, which they don't make anymore. I know. And, yeah, right. And so contrary to popular belief, when you hear, oh, condenser on a snare drum, you're like, oh, that must be the bright mic. It's really not because a lot of times, you know, their frequency response is fairly flat. So you don't have from the 57, you've got this peak at 5K and then you've got further rises. You don't have that in the condenser. So it typically be, ends up being the fatter of the mics. I will blend them once I'm sure the phase alignment is properly accomplished or achieved as best as possible. Most times, even though it picks up a ton of hat here lately, I just use the 101. But 57 still jamming. There's a bunch of good choices. Those are usually that's kind of it. Uh, on the snare bottom, I love an, one of the an older 414. Nice. I love that a bunch. Um, on the hat, man, I'll go anywhere on that. I don't know what it is about those little cheapy AT 450s side yeah. address thing. Those it's because I can get them. It's because I can get them anywhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll yeah. use those. Sometimes they're too hissy. Sometimes they sound like what they are and they're in that price range. But um, <laughs> I like those. On a recent gig I've been doing, I'm like, man, let's just do some. Let's just do something older school. And uh, and we've been using the SM81. Really? I, oh. See, that's so. I weird. know. Okay, because yeah. I. <laughs> all right. You just have bad memories instantly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, I mean, this dude, this is not, you know, I don't want to get into being the, you know, manufacturer hater about, you know, certain things or whatever, but right. that particular microphone, that 81 is just a microphone that I, you know, you're forced to use it when you're young, right? Yeah. Like that's the- And we all were. Yeah. That so that's it. the microphone that they had at the club and it was used yeah. as a hammer and, uh, you know, it, it's- yeah. It's the only condenser they have, and, you know, all those kind of things. So it's like literally I'm traumatized by that microphone. Yes. You know what I mean? I so. understand. And to be honest with you, I was trying to prove a point to myself. I wanted to try to use a D112 on the kick. I wanted to use an 81. Like I wanted to try to make some of that work. Right. And uh, yeah. so with the 81 on the hat, 
well, wait till I tell you what we were using on the ride, uh, which is not that, oh my God, but it's kind of along the same lines of throwing it way back. I get so tired of sizzle, hiss, unnatural high end. And it's very, very, very prevalent in cheaper and not even cheap condenser mics, but mics that we would typically use live in that a thousand and less range, you know? And it's also very, very common in PA systems. Now I'm talking that like 13K, 12K hiss that just, I just, I can't stand it. So that was part of the logic there. I think part of now that, I to, let me, let me interrupt you. Cause I think part of yeah, that yeah. is speaker technology now is so much better that we're actually hearing that stuff. We're hearing it. Those exactly. manufacturers never like intended those microphones to have information no. up in there because when you and I were coming up there, you know, the, the PA would do 8k if we were lucky. You know what right. I mean? <laughs> and now, yeah, totally. and, and now there's all the sparkly bits up there. I think you're starting to see all of that. I think it's because of speaker technology. But anyway, I, I, and I agree. I've got a systems engineer I work with often. He's like, I just don't think you like that. I don't think you like that sound. And I'm like, I don't. Like, I'm cutting PAs at 12K all the time. Anyway, interesting. so that's how that 81 came about. The 450, the 80, I'll use whatever. I could be talked into a lot. You know what I mean? And that one. A lot of t- I'll turn the hat off. If I've got the top snare ungated, which is rare, or the way I do my overheads, a lot of times if it's the right act, there's enough hat in there. So that's a, a wild card. Toms, I like I drift to the Beta 98s. And I know those are super polarizing mics, but they, for me, just like the 91, there's that teeny ass little capsule in there. They are so fast. They're so quick to respond. And I know how to shape them that I will drift towards using those almost all the time. Even it's hard to make them sound natural a lot of times. Like in other words, they stick out, which is cool if that's what you want it to do, but you got to be careful because they'll sound like this element that's unrelated to the kit. So the flip side of that, another gig that I do a lot, we use 421s. Because we have the space, it's an older drummer. He doesn't have ninety-seven cymbals. He, we can fit them, you know. So I can. I'm a little flexible there. That's where I'll go. Here lately on the ride, I cannot, for the life of me, make an under ride work. I don't know how to do it. it doesn't sound right to me. It's just it doesn't work. So I've gotten to take an, uh, a fifty-seven over top, kind of pointed at the bell. Wow. And then. Uh, anyway, so we, on the snares replicate that same mic, then usually if there's a snare two and three, it's just 57. Right. It's usually two 57s. I don't go quite as ham on those. Um, then we get to the overheads. And as you know, this is something you and I bonded over. I've started using the Mojave 201s years ago. Yeah. And every now and again, I'll be like, mm, I want to do something different. But for the most part, I can count on those to do the deal. And I have them, I keep those equidistant from the snare. I am a believer in that. I try to spread it out. And now that I'm using the over ride mic, I'm even more conscious of the relationship between those two. So that it's not just face suit. You know what I mean? Totally. Um, I think that's it. I, I, you know, I've got, I'll use a Telefunken M82 sometimes with, for just like a random, I think it's just cause I own them. Like I've got, uh, again, go back to Bruno. Eric's got this big gong drum and I do put a M82 up, you know, a fist away from the top in yep. it. Yeah. And that works killer. Yeah. Yeah. So So anyway, that's kind of, I'm thinking of kits I do now that sort of 
what's what. That that's what that's what I. If you ask me to make an input list tonight, that is exactly what I'm putting on it. So the the, the interesting part of that conversation also is. Uh, kind of what you've already said is that those are the microphones that you start with in general for any artist, right? Like those are the ones that, you know, right. before you've even heard the drum mm -hmm. kit, you're like, okay, I know mm -hmm. this is going to be my input list. Now, of course, you know, you mm -hmm. and I, when we show up at rehearsals, we might listen to something and be like, Oh man, that microphone is not going to work for that sounding, whatever it is. That's an air drum or whatever it is. But yeah. um, I, I think people need to know that they're, there's an arsenal that you kind of build over the years and and along with that and it's a much longer conversation but it's like my kick drum is almost always the same for whatever artist and then the plugins that i used on that kick drum are almost always the same starting and the the uh console path is almost always the same like all of these things i've developed over the years mm -hmm. are like this is this is my way that I know is going to work. And I know that it works everywhere for the most part. Um, and so mm -hmm. I'm always encouraging guys, you know, especially like with plugins, um, you know, guys start making your own presets. It's like, I know mm -hmm. when I build a console file from scratch and I'm building one offline, I'm pulling in even my plugin chains that are already my, um, you know, sure. my presets and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So mm -hmm. I just, Wanted to go on to, that tangent. To me, I want, well, and I, and I just to kind of further that, just to touch, you know, I'll do things. You have your own desk, for instance, although sometimes you're not using your desk, you know. That's true. Um, but let's say, and you're like me, like you're fairly fluent on different platforms. By and large, we end up in the same spot. And I'll do things, you know, the ergonomics of the layout, regardless of what the genre is stay the same for me because it would be no different than if we had a studio we were fortunate to always work in our own studio you know things get bust they get comp they get subbed together that this ends up here this ends up it's important for me for things to end up in the same place and i mentioned the hi-hat and as we all know a hat can be a really tricky thing live because the absence of hat in a mix creates this really plodding beat Interesting. And it's not musical and it doesn't move. It's just kind of ones and twos and threes. It's just, it doesn't move. It doesn't have any jive. So deciding what to, I'm all night long. I'm thinking that the hat will drive me crazy. And my point of this is I will always keep the hat, the high hat fader in the first slot to the left bank. Well, it might be on layer two or three or whatever, because of course, I mean, I don't try to reinvent the wheel. I don't I start with kick drum as I lay out my show. But um, that hat is always just a quick bank and grab away. And I don't have to, I know where it's the last, I can't not identify it. And I'll ride that constantly. That's so anyway, that's interesting you say that because so many people, like for instance, will have a drum control group or a VCA, but then they'll also have kick and snare, right? Yeah. Some people are yes. like chasing kick and snare, but I'm with you. I'm kick snare and hat outside of that yeah. drum thing. Right. Oh you know? yeah. For sure. So like I, I am even the best drummers in the world that are always constant drummers and playing um, amazingly, mm -hmm. you still need to um, chase them a little bit on depending on what kind of a song it is. You know what I mean? As far as where relationship they are, of kick, exactly. snare, and hat. Yeah, where they are. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So and that, I'll get away from. Awesome. Now I was gonna say I'll get away from the. Um, I'll have my VCAs are simple. They're usually just like player, player, player. You know, band track player, 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 so on and so forth. Then at the end, you get into things like, you know, 
effects that are always my last VC or whatever. But I'll do something I'm real big on within my drums is everything gets bust. Um, meaning in my thought around that and that anyway, that keeps me from having the multiple VCAs, but there is a bust. So if I establish a relationship with a snare top and a snare bottom, uh, or if there's multiple mics in, in whatever the situation is, every time I turn that thing up and down, I don't want to have to grab three faders and maintain right. Right. 6.7 from here and whatever. So I also don't want to put it on just a VCA because for me, what I do is I'll take out, I call it establishing the relationship. I'll establish the relationship between them to get something that sounds like an actual drum. And I will usually do corrective EQ on those. Sometimes I'll boost. I go back and forth in this technique. More times than not, it's just corrective. And then I'll bust the corrective meaning subtractive, you know, getting rid of the, the gnarly stuff. Totally. Maybe, maybe just a little boost to this or that. Then I'll bust those. Uh, and I will then treat that bus usually more aggressively. Whether well, I'll usually do more processing. Like a lot of times there's just simple gating done on those. Um Kicks is different. I kind of go at each kick mic sort of hard. Uh, but then when they get together in a meeting with processing, but then when like the snare inputs get to a bus, then I'll further the EQ, add more processing. Same thing with toms and uh, kicks. I do the same thing. But anyway, so my idea, overheads, I even do it. I'll, I'll, you know, everything gets bust. And then I'm thinking that bus is the sound, not those three mics. Now I'm not going to lie. Of course I go in and go, oh, there's too much snare bottom. But I'll just move the fader but by and large i do that so in that man that carries over i know we're talking about drums that carries over to everything bass guitar if it has multiple inputs it's going to a bus multiple guitar inputs it's going to a bus so that's kind of how i separate it out um that's ultimately go ahead go ahead ahead. No, no, no i was just gonna say my a lot of times my template it's not confusing it's just a lot but it's done because I don't want 70,000 things to think about it come showtime or 70,000 things to think about come showtime. I want one, you know, and it's just like committing in the old days where you commit on tape, you'd go, those two sounds blend them. That's our guitar sound. You know, I try to commit and then I'm only focusing on one kick fader, one, this one, that as opposed to 20 something inputs. Well, it keeps you know? your relationships correct though, too, right? Like all your microphones oh, are that's the whole point, right? So for me, it's like when I have, you know, sometimes it depends. Like even Iron Maiden, sometimes uh, one of the guitar players, I have six different sources on that guitar, right? So the relationship of that needs to remain the same. I've spent hours like getting the phase relationship between all of those microphones, like totally right. Like so much so that even one little half a DB fader bump on one of those six inputs will totally destroy the sound. Like you flip it out of phase and make it be weird. Um, So absolutely right. Those six for me are buried somewhere. Like I don't really ever touch those most of the time. Mm -hmm. Um, the, the thing that I touch day to day is like what you described, you know, the, um, the actual overhaul, some of all those things. So you and I are both on the same page in that regard. Mm -hmm. Totally. Um, Mm -hmm. and, and thanks for clarifying that because, you know, I spoke to that a little bit on one of my last videos, I was showing, uh, my console, and my busing through all of that. And I, I think you made some really good points that, that may clarify some things for people. And so that was cool. Um, 
real quick, you know, we're coming up on a half an hour and I don't want to make these videos like really longer than a half hour. I want to do a couple of them, but I want to make each one kind of be specific. And somehow we landed into this microphone Mm -hmm. discussion. Um, I'll just rip through the microphones that I'm using these days because it's funny, you know, we both, I think, are very similar in how we mix, but we both get there in different ways. You know what I mean? So like, uh, you know... It's it's like you know when you go to Starbucks, like what's your favorite coffee? I mean, mine's different, going to be different than yours. They're both coffee and they're both really good, but you know um, uh, how we got there is is different. Uh, so um, real quick, I'll just run through my stuff. I'm a '91 guy, just like you. Um, mm-hmm. The the center of my kick drum is generally always a '91. Um, the the uh, second kick drum mic for me. I usually low pass like all the way down into where it's sub information, right? Interesting. Okay. So it doesn't matter to me so much that it's a super great sounding microphone. I just want the oomph out of it. Um, And it has Mm -hmm. to be a large diaphragm microphone to capture that, right? So Mm -hmm. for me, Mm -hmm. lately it's been an M82, um, but I'm Mm -hmm. totally down. I like. Yeah. I use the M82 also. Yeah, uh, yeah, for sure. Um, but I'm totally down with an RE20. That's like old mm-hmm. school recording. I used to use those all the time. Um, mm-hmm. But lately, it's been 91 and, and um, <clears throat> you know, a uh, an M82. Uh, snare mm-hmm. drums. Um, I've been doing a lot of drummers lately where there's no room for microphones. Like everything's super tight. Right, I know. Um, I know. So I really like that M eighty one SH. SH. I've got a bunch of those. yeah, yeah. The sure. shorty version of that, I like that on top, um, and I like fifty seven on the bottom, um, mm-hmm. and along with that M eighty two on the top. Uh, if I'm gonna do a condenser, it depends. You know, I I don't do it probably as often as you do. Uh, I tend to stick with dynamic microphones only on snare drums. Um, but I, that doesn't mean that I haven't. There's been a lot of times where I'm like, oh, this drum doesn't have that crack. It needs some help. Um, mm-hmm. There's a um, uh, SE makes a Rupert Neve uh, condenser. Oh, that condenser. Phone. Yeah. It looks like it's in traction. Totally. It's yeah, huge. Yeah. It's like it's really right. long and it's got a huge transformer on it. I so, knew you used that before. I've always been meaning <laughs> to have you. Uh, it's and a, it's a great great sounding you know uh microphone um also se has i think i forget it's a really large condenser microphone it's like the head of it is super big Um, yes is it called the 99 or so i don't want to confuse people out there i I know what you're talking about i know i'm in natural right now and if it's the one i'm thinking of guys use it for kick drum here in the studio so oh wow yeah yeah yeah. yeah. i could see where you could but it's an amazing it's a large diaphragm condenser microphone which is really unusual and it sounds Mm -hmm. really good you know it's a pencil microphone large diaphragm which is unusual oh Um, interesting i'm thinking of a different one then no it's like it's like this long and it's like this thick i mean it's it's wow it's a big condenser microphone okay um Anyway, I've used that on snare drum. I've used that Rupert Neve one. Both of those are SE. That's it's curious to me that for condenser microphones for the top of a snare drum, it's always SE. I don't know. Shout out to them, I guess. Um, and I see a lot of people using that. V, people that I'm like, mm, that guy knows what he's doing. The what is it? The V7X. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I Dude, see that showing up quite a bit. 
not to go on not to go on a tan no no totally 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 not to go on a tangent but just real quick have you tried the v7 on vocals do you like that on a vocal? oh yeah yeah dude i've uh, yeah 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 yeah. that's what if i can right now we, that's almost a whole other. We could do that. Oh, man. One. Yes. All right. We'll, co- we'll, we'll come back to that. Yeah. But to me, that yeah. microphone is like it's like a fifty-eight on steroids. I was like, it's wow, the gold man. standard right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. Yeah, it's pretty. I good. agree. All right. Enough of that. Back to drums, real quick. Um, back to you. Where are you? <laughs> kick snare. You just did snare bottom. You did snare bottom. Yeah. Kick snare. Um, hat for me is usually two microphones. Either that AT side address microphone, which I really like, um, or um, lately, I've been using a DPA microphone, the 2011 condenser, and it's, uh, there you go. Um, you know, I mean, it's like yeah, it's, this, a shorty. it's a little shorty, um, and it it's pretty good. DPA microphones in general, like I'm about to get to my toms, and toms for me are DPA 4099s. And wow! And my first question is, how do they not break? I know they sound awesome. I've used them, but they worry me. Okay, they so, sound incredible. Yes, and, I use and, them on horns and. Oh my God. Yeah. Those things like for me, that microphone in general, Mm -hmm. um, DPA 4099, you put it in front of something and it just sounds like that something. There's like no coloration. Um, it's super transparent, super like, um, I I don't know. It's just a really great microphone. The pattern of it's super tight too. Um, I don't know. I, I dig it, but I know what you're saying. It is a microphone that needs to be handled with care. Um, which, okay. So this is something that maybe a lot of people don't know about you and I, but you and I, um, even in a stadium band, um, go and like, for instance, Iron Maiden, I put the microphones on the drums. Yeah. I wasn't going to let us get out of here without bringing this point back. Yes, for sure. Okay. So, um, I, I've had other situations where I've trusted a tech to put microphones on on there, and then I come behind them and check. Um, mm-hmm. But it's an important thing, man. Like people don't understand how important you know mic placement is, and making sure that all of your stuff is pointing at all the right things. You can't count on someone else to mm-hmm. to do that. You know, mm-hmm. um, mic placement is like totally key. So I just wanted people to know that that is something that we both do. We both go up there. You know, I put all the microphones on the the uh, uh, our main kit. Me and Tater. Tater is the monitor engineer, and we stand up there. And while a tech is running other cable and putting up wedges and that kind of stuff, we are the ones that are miking up the drum mm-hmm. kit. And so mm-hmm. in that way, I know. Um, that those mics are going to be okay. Then on the last song, I send my system tech to the stage and his whole job, like, you know, thank you, good night. He runs up to the drum kit and starts pulling 4099s off. Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah, to protect him. Yeah, to protect him, right? And so that you have to do that with that microphone in particular. Like you have to have somebody that, you know, puts them on carefully and then someone that's always there to make sure they don't, they're not getting ripped off by the drum tech or, you know, whatever. Yeah, you know? I get it. I get um, it. Smart. So, yeah. Anyway, uh, then quickly, but the other ones, uh, ride symbol. Um, I'm actually an under ride guy. Um, mm. And after you suggested the Mojave 201s on overheads, which I absolutely love, that's still my absolutely go-to. And you know, it's so funny, dude, is I have... 
probably talked to another 20 dudes who are yeah. all now using the Mojave tool. I know. So you, it's your fault, you, dude. Like Mojave yeah. should be paying you uh, for that. I love when you see like things like whether it's a tuning song or a piece yeah. of gear or a microphone. Totally. You're like, oh, look, there are other people using that now. That's cool. So, yeah, yeah. The, legacy of the legacy of that microphone as an overhead microphone is your fault. Um, no, but still. seriously, like if you haven't tried that, the Mojave 201 is by far the best sounding drum kit capture. What I like about that microphone is that it's not a cymbal microphone. It's a drum no. kit capture microphone. Oh, yeah. And so yeah. I use it more like, I mean, even on a huge loud stage like Iron Maiden, it still somehow survives capturing the drums as if it were a room mic kind of. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, so, but um, on the ride cymbal, I've used it on the ride cymbal as well these days. Um, wow. And uh, so for Nico on drums on Iron Maiden, it's behind his, you know, his ride is like kind of like this. And so it's behind it, uh, kind of right where mm -hmm. the bell, right where the bell is. Um, but mm -hmm. um, yeah, so those are my drum mics, pretty much. Those are my go-to. Got you. Something neither of us spoke about, because they're not microphones, but they are trans transducers, is we both use when we can, uh, at least I think you still do, you know, triggers to open gates. Absolutely. You still doing that? Yes. Yeah. Let's do yeah. another and one the, of these the, videos. The, let's do another one of these videos. I'm okay. going to stop this one. Okay. And yeah, cool. uh, mm -hmm. let's, uh, let's have another discussion. If you got a little bit more time, we'll start another discussion. Bud. All right. Dude. <laughs> okay. Thank you, Chris. Right. I appreciate Get you, on. man. All right. We'll talk to you in a minute. Yeah.